It's so good to be with you all. Uh, um, Susan and I just got back from our uh, vacation this summer and uh, just ready to rock and roll this fall. And um, and really, really excited about this series. Uh, we wanted to do, like lots of times when, it, when we deal with God, there are two types of things that we kind of work on. Part of it is understanding this. And so we, we call them like vertical relationships, vertical messages, things that we really want to understand about him. And then we have like horizontal messages, <laughs> Messages that help us to know how we're supposed to just live in this world and relate with each other and what does it mean. And in fact, Jesus himself said, everything's tied up just in this. Love him, love each other. <laughs> love him and love each other. And so uh, we wanted to do a series that's really going to help us to understand this whole idea of how do we actually love each other? How do we rub shoulders with each other? Um, but what is so cool, we're going to be going through Colossians chapter 3 for the next four or five weeks, I think, together. And so, again, if you're, just, if you're always looking for something, people will say, I just don't know where to read when you open up your Bible. Uh, but maybe this month, read Colossians chapter 3 and just kind of sit in that with us and as, we, as we go through this uh, together. And I'm really excited about doing that because, as that song just said, this world has nothing for me, but this world has everything. Does this world have a lot to offer us? How many of you guys love this world? Anybody love this world? I mean, I love this world. Uh, Friday night, I went to Nora Jones with much of our, um, our life together. Anybody else out there in Nora Jones? Okay, three of you, good. Um, a lot of our small, our life together group uh, went. It was just a blast. But that night, Friday night, I mean, the moon was right above the stage. The breeze was great. It was warm. Uh, my honey sitting right in front of me. You know, you got, you know, just, so almost every sense of mine, my sight was tantalized, my ears we're tantalized just holding her. There's all the stuff in this world that's really good. And sometimes it can feel like right here with what we've got is enough. And yet, this world has nothing for me. And, and, and isn't that weird? Because you can pursue the stuff of this world and even enjoy, which I think God wants us to, to enjoy his creation. And yet you can realize that there's something more, isn't there? There's something more that your soul longs for, that it drives for. People who achieve almost everything in this world feel like they need to keep going because there's something else that's deeper than that. And one of those things, no question, that we're looking for and they're longing for, that the world really wants to offer us is relationship. There is something inside of every single human being that needs to be in relationship. I say this all the time. It's just, it's, I think that's why solitary confinement is the worst possible plan. If you're really bad, we're going to make you be completely alone because you weren't created for that. And so there's something inside of us that says, man, I need this deep relationship. Um, we're intertwined as humans in this world. We affect each other. And sometimes we really encourage each other and we bless each other. And just by being in relationship, it enhances your life. And then sometimes by being next to each other and having your life intertwined with other human beings, it totally messes up your life, right? See, even that right there, the impact that human beings that we have on each other shows, I think, reveals something about how, in, how important this whole idea of how can we Live in this world because you are going to rub shoulders with each other. You just are. You know, if you're here, that's because you were born. And if you were born, you were born into this community automatically. Guess what? You've got to rub shoulders with human beings now. If you're going to be at K2 the church, guess what? Now you've got to rub shoulders 
with people in here. And we always say, all we are is a bunch of screwed up people. Anybody? Anybody in here? Okay, great. So if we're going to do that, I mean, you're going to get married. And guess what? I don't care how awesome. My wife's awesome. She's screwed up. And so... Yeah, her best friend's... It's okay. No, I... See, we know that. I know that. I mean, don't you know you're screwed up? Okay. But we have to rub shoulders with each other. It's what it means to be human. So how are we going to do that? Well, here's, here's the deal, you guys. We're going to look through this. Next week, we're going to look at all the, the negative things that we do as human beings. And we're going to see how we got, we got to stop doing these because when we do these, we cut each other down and we destroy our relationships. Then the next week, we're going to flip the coin and we're going to look at the positive things that we should do, that we can really, actually really encourage each other and live together. And then we're going to look at this really cool little section about how as, as a community of people, and it'll work in your family but, and, and the church here as well, how we can actually build each other up. That you and I can do that. And God wants us to do that for each other. And then the last uh, one is uh, in Colossians 3. Paul just lists off, lists off this great thing about now how do wives need to act and how do husbands need to act, how do parents need to act, and how do kids need to act so that we can actually figure out how to live with each other where we rub each other the most, okay? But here's what we're going to look at today. And this was what was so interesting to me uh, when I looked at Colossians 3 Um, because there's so much practical stuff in here. But what we see is that what, what it all stems down to and the motivation, the drive, the reason, the strength, the power to actually rub shoulders well and to be a blessing instead of something that tears down is understanding the reality that we can, here's the title for today, we can be Christ to each other. We can be Christ to each other. How many of you guys have ever thought, man, it would have been so cool to have lived when Jesus lived? Anybody? I mean, I mean can, you, can you imagine, I mean, being able to be around him and to be in his presence. Can you imagine if, if, if Jesus attended K2 today? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I'm, I definitely wouldn't be up here. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, I mean, he would be leading this thing. But there was uh, probably about three or four years ago. Um, it was, uh, I think it was Easter weekend. And we just know a lot of people are going to come on Easter. It was either Easter or Christmas. I can't remember for sure. But I was over in the red box. And I was just praying uh, really hard for that service. Because I know that on Easter and Christmas... More people who, who are still just checking things out are going to enter into our doors. They're going to have a chance to hear about God. And so what I was praying for and what I imagined was, what if when the people walk, because I don't even know if we, I don't even think we had this building then. What if when people walked into the Red Warehouse, into that lobby, if Jesus was on our connections team? Can you imagine? What would happen? Give me, a, give me a feedback. What would happen if Jesus was on our connection team? I'm sorry? We'd have the best coffee ever. He would turn water into coffee. It'd be unbelievable. What else? What, what would happen if Jesus... What, what would happen to you if you walked in here and Jesus was hanging out in the lobby? Yeah, you'd hang out in the lobby. He, he would be a mob. Okay, we're not getting there. Let me just tell you what would happen. Seriously, if, if, if Jesus Christ was alive in the flesh today, and as I prayed about this, I knew this, every person who walked into our door would feel like a million bucks. Every person would glance, and if they would catch his eyes, in a moment you would know that you matter. 
in a moment, you would know that you're loved. And in a moment, you could tell that there's something so much greater than what you really get about life. And, and here's what hit me. And this is what I started praying. Wait a second. Jesus died and rose again so he could do what? So he could live in us. If you are a true, sincere follower of Christ today. You are a child of God, born of his spirit, and Jesus actually lives inside you. And so then I start praying. It's like, wait a second. When people walk into K2, they should actually bump into Jesus all the time. <laughs> people should walk in here and the connections team, the arts, me, you, if you're, just if you're a follower of Christ, anybody who walks in here, we should be so blessing each other. And just the, the love that should be welling up within us because Jesus is alive in us should pierce into the hearts and lives of people. That's That's what we're talking about. We can be Christ to each other. So let's just think for a second. What do we know about him? What do we know and love about Christ? And um, I know this. Jesus always did whatever the Father wanted him to do. He loved his Father. And he did everything he wanted him to do. And And Jesus loved people. He just loved people and he loved all people. He always did what was right. And here's the other thing about Jesus is he always shared fearlessly what was true. Do you ever see Jesus back down from his sitting? He'll get a little intimidated by anybody. You know, I don't know if I want to share that. No, Jesus always shared with no fear exactly what was true. And here's the other thing that amazed me about Christ is he was always the servant. Always. He's the one who said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I mean, in Christ, we saw what perfect humanity could be. Somebody who lived right every moment, who engaged with people right as a humble servant and loved everybody, who always listened to his father, so everything he did was really good. And you know what else? And and the last thing about this, Jesus knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. And he knew that he had all power within him. This is John 13, and it says, and so he washed their feet. See, this was Christ. Now, today, I just want to share, I want to pray real quick, because today, um, if, you're, if you're still here, if you're here at K2, and you're investigating this whole deal about, about Christianity, and you're wondering about Christ, you're, you're, or maybe you just got dragged here um, by a friend, and you're being a good friend today, but if you're here, and you're not a follower of Christ, okay, what I'm going to share today is you're going to have a chance to get a glimpse into what Jesus Christ revealed as the ultimate reality of why we're here, of what it means to actually know God. So in other words, if you would decide to become a Christian, what you're going to hear today is what that actually looks like. And I just want to say that because ultimately today, I actually the message is more geared to all of you who are already followers of Christ today. And for you, what does it mean for you and for me that Jesus Christ is living in me? What does that mean and how does that affect us? How is it true? What is true about you and how does it affect the way that you live? In Colossians 1, 25 through 27, it says, you guys, the hope of glory. In other words, the, 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 the hope of living in eternity with Christ and the hope of living a life that's unbelievable is Christ in you. Now, 
here's the deal. I really want to pray for us, okay? And here's why. Because these four verses that I'm going to teach you uh, today, there is, there is no way. There's a lot to Christianity, I think, that kind of relates with other religions. There's a, there, I, we talked about this uh, back last fall, how there's a lot of things that are the same. I'm going to share with you, what I'm going to share with you today, there is no way any human being could figure this out. In fact, for me, I struggle still to figure it out, (laughs) okay? So there's a great verse in Ephesians 1 where Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you might know him better, okay? And I believe that what I'm going to share with you, many of you are Christians in here today, and you don't know this. Many of you come to church and you believe in Jesus, but you don't know this. And I think what we need today is revelation. (laughs) We need God to actually give us the ability to understand the spiritual truth, okay? So let's pray together and figure out what it means to have Christ in us. Let's pray. Father, um, I'm just, I'm so um, excited for this morning because I know there's no way that I can personally explain this and have it make sense to anybody. And that excites me because I know that all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share your word today And I'm going to pray right now on behalf of everybody in this room that you might just do what only you can do. Would you open the eyes of our heart so that we can know you, so that we can understand really what is true and real about our relationship with you. And I just pray that by the time we leave here today, we would know you and things would be more clear. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Mike already read it. Uh, Let me uh, read it through again. It'll be up here on the screen for you, and, and we'll go from here. Since then, you have been raised, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Okay. See, I, I, for me, you guys, I, I'm, I'm serious. I've been walking with Christ for 20-some years, been in ministry for 20-whatever years. This passage right here, every time I read it, I just go, it's, it's so beyond my ability to grasp. But let's understand this as much as we can today. Here we go. For all of you who are Christians, how, why are you a Christian? This Bible tells us it's because at some point, finally, ultimately, scales kind of came off your eyes and you actually got to the point where you believed that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God and that the work that he did on the cross was necessary for us to be in relationship with God, that we were created for that. And that when we finally believed that, it just, we got it. And, and when you did that, you, you actually put your trust in that. You said, you know what, Jesus, I believe that you really are God. And I'm going to trust you now with my life. And in John chapter 1, it says, when you believe in him and when you trust him, what happens is you actually receive him. To all who believed in him and to those who received him. Okay? Now, this is, I'm going to really try to teach today. So just try to grasp this. Jesus Christ now is inside you. That is your reality. 
So what is true about you? Let's look at what the Bible says here. It says a few things. You have been raised with Christ. And then it says in verse 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ is your life, and you're going to appear with him in glory. Man, to be honest with you, we need about two hours, okay, to try to unpack all this, but let me try to do it quickly. Here's the first thing that's true about you if you're a Christian today. You died. You died, for you died. Now, what, what, what does that mean, that I died? Well, there's three other verses in Scripture. Let me tell you what this means. In, in, earlier in chapter uh, 2 of Colossians, it says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. You died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. In other words, what Paul is teaching right there is there's so much man-made religion and there's so much effort that says if you really need to know God, then you've got to do all these things to try to get to him. And the regulations that man has, has made up and Christ basically came and wanted to say, you know what, I'm destroying all that. And when you received Christ, you died to trying to be good enough for God. <laughs> you died to, tr- to being a religious, pious person. Like Jesus, again, when he was walking this earth, the only people that made him angry were the religious people who did so many things that they thought they were better than everybody else. And what the Bible tells us is when you receive Christ, you died to that. And you don't have to work anymore to get God's approval for you. Is that not good news? Okay, that is like, okay, that is like really good news because there's way too many people, and maybe you're one of them, who you're trying to make sure that you do enough to get God to love you. If you're a follower of Christ, you died to that. That's done. Here's the second thing you died to. In Romans chapter 6, it says, you died to sin. So how can you live in it any longer? You died to sin. In other words, when Christ came into your life, what you decided to do right there is say, you know what? I am not going to be a slave to sin anymore. I am not going to just blindly do all the things that are against God. I've died to that. That is not who I am anymore. And then the third thing you died for is this. It says, Christ died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know what else you died to? And this is for me, I think it's the key, is you died to yourself. You died to yourself. When you received Christ, what you finally said is, you know what, I'm going to stop running my life. I'm going to stop being God, and I'm actually going to let you be God. I am not going to be in control anymore, and I'm going to let you be in control. Because I'm telling you guys, every one of us is born with the main concern of our life, us. (laughs) And when everybody has that, you want to talk conflict? You want to talk relationships get skewered? You want to talk marriages falling apart? You want to talk world conflict? It's because when people are thinking about themselves more than others, it messes everything up. But when you receive Christ, he died so that you would no longer live for yourself. Why? Because Jesus never lived for himself. That's why he's so beautiful. That's why people who aren't Christians still think Jesus is awesome. That's why they'll say he's the best teacher that ever lived. That's why they'll say, man, if you would live how Jesus taught, the world would be a better place. Why? Because he never lived for himself. And so when you received Christ and he came inside you, guess what? He says, I died so you wouldn't live for yourself anymore. You died to yourself. You died to sin. And you died to religiosity. 
You're dead to that. Okay? So all of you who are Christians, you understand that? That is your reality. Then he goes on to say, and you've been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Now, here's what's really important. Okay, this is where the study of Scripture and understanding the language and all that is really important. It says this, you have been raised with Christ and you have died. Do you see how both of those things are in the past? Do you know what that means? It's done. It's finished. You have been raised. You are already connected with Christ inside your life. It's not something that you have to try to attain. Again, what Paul is trying to get across here is you need to understand, if you really are a Christian here today, then Jesus Christ is inside of you and you died with him to all the things that aren't of God, but you've also been raised with him. You have been raised with Christ and now he is alive. You guys, and this is, okay, this is the mystery and it's hidden and it can only be revealed and it, what, it's, it's what makes all the difference between going to church and trying to be a good person and knowing God. Jesus Christ is the only one who is alive today, who when he died, he rose again. And when you received Christ, you received a risen Christ. There is a spiritual reality that I actually have the living Christ inside me. And if you're a Christian, so do you. And that's so important to understand because I think a lot of people who are Christians believe that, again, believe in Jesus and have believed that he had to die for their sin and you said a prayer once and, and now you feel like you have to live this really good life and then someday you'll get to heaven and you don't know that no, you have been raised with Christ. And he goes on to say, your life is now hidden with Christ. In God, you are connected to him intimately and you know him. Christ is your life. Okay, so this is our ultimate reality. And this right here is what we need to understand and what we need to believe if we're ever going to be, how in the world am I ever going to live a life that's full and complete and free from sin where I'm actually someone who loves like Christ loves and serves like Christ loves? How am I going to do that? Well, the way I'm going to do that is I need to know that Christ is in me. So, this afternoon, um, we're going to celebrate baptism together. Okay? Got one little woohoo. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah, go ahead and bring it out, Beth. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate baptism together. And, uh, and this is so cool. It's at 3.30 this afternoon. Uh, if anybody wants to join us, we'd love to have you come and join us as, uh, as we celebrate what I'm talking about here today. So let me read for you in Romans chapter 6. It's a very kind of parallel passage to what we're, what we're talking about here today. It starts off in verse 1. I, I think this is verse 3. Verse 1 says this. What should we say? Should we just go on sinning so the grace can increase? And then Paul says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then here with verse 3. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, in other the reason is so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Okay. What does that mean, you guys? The word baptism, excuse me, the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo and all it meant was to dip. And so in religious culture that day, they would, they would baptize in the water for kind of a cleansing ceremony. But on a very more practical level, um, one of the things you, that you would do is you would take a cloth and if you were going to, if I wanted a white cloth to be as I, as I have here a dye, blue, um, then I would baptize it. And once you baptize something, once you dip it into the dye, let me just show you. You guys know this, this is, but I just wanted to show you this. Because, okay, now pray right now that God might open your heart to understand what happens when you receive Christ. This is you. This is you. And when you received Christ, he says, in fact, um, John said, when everybody came to John the Baptist, they looked at him and they said, um, because he was baptizing in water, and they thought he was amazing. And then John said, but there's someone who comes after me who is greater than me because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Here's us. When you get dipped, okay, into Christ. I got so many thoughts here. One of the things that so amazes me is that if somebody really wants a spiritual experience, many times the last place they'll look is Christianity. I'm telling you, that just, that irks me. What a weird word. It irks. But anyway, and the reason it makes me mad is because the church has become so man-made and so religious that everybody looks at that and says, who in the world wants that? I don't. Because I know what it is to be baptized into Christ. And I know what it is to have the Holy Spirit come into my being and to have Jesus Christ inside me. Now look at that. See, what happened right there? When this cloth went baptized into this water, the dye infused into every fiber, didn't it? See, now the fiber's still there, but now it is infused with this dye, and it is no longer white. I put the whole thing in there, but I don't have rubber gloves. Um, If I put the whole thing in there and I pulled it out, from that moment on, you would never say that's a white cloth. You would say it is a blue cloth. And what Jesus is telling us is that when you really receive me, when you really put your faith in me, 
when you actually believe that I'm the son of God, you will be born of God. And he will deposit his spirit within you. Jesus said, my father will come and we will make our home within you. See, then you guys, everything changes. Everything changes. You are no longer this. You are this. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are different from this moment on. You have Christ inside you. You want a spiritual experience? Have the living God who created the universe that we're blown away by, who we look at the mountains and we go, unbelievable, have him live inside you. Right? Okay. Or go to church. Your choice. I'm telling you, there's nothing more scary in all the world than to actually let God into your life because you'll never be the same again. Now, here's what's critical is we have to believe this because what you guys, so what do we do? Because much of the time, does anybody, I mean, you know, one of the scriptures that so drives me crazy is it says there's incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living inside you. Anybody wonder where that incomparably great power is? <laughs> I, I mean, do you ever just look at this thing and you go, man, I, I was talking to somebody about a month and a half ago and just saying, my problem is I believe this with all my being. And then I look in the mirror and I go, Ugh. where is it? Anybody else? Okay, so what do we do? Is this true or not? If this isn't true, I'm hitting the golf course right now. (laughs) If this is true, that the living God could dwell in my heart and that I could be infused with the Spirit of God so I could be free from sin that destroys my life that I could be free from selfishness that destroys all my relationships, that I could be free to live a life of power that impacts the world and changes it and makes it better, man, I'm in. I'm in. So what do we do? Well, he said this. So here you go, Christians. Here we go. What does he say? Go ahead and throw the scripture back up there. Since you have been raised with Christ, since that's your reality, Since you died to sin and died to human religion and you died to yourself, since that's what's true about you, what does he say? I don't know, I can't find it. Here it is. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Okay, here's the first thing we got to do. You got to set your heart on things above. And you got to set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Okay, now let me tell you what earthly things are again. Don't get your heart set on all the religious activity that makes you look really good for God. Be very careful of thinking that all of a sudden you've got it together because you do. Don't don't set your mind on that. That's earthly. The other thing that's earthly, you guys, is anything that's not of God. The pursuit of power and possession and prestige and status and stuff that it's all about you. If you're all about you, that's not of God. That's an earthly thing. That wisdom comes not from God. 
but straight from the pit of hell because it destroys you and it destroys everything around you. And then last thing, don't get caught up in earthly things and that would just be all the immorality, all the sin, all the stuff that's just messy and that, that just ruins us as humans. Don't set your mind on those things. Now here's what it means to set. This is so interesting. Set your mind, set your heart on things above. You know what the word set means? It means to seek something out with a desire to possess it. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's really good. It didn't come from me. I found it somewhere else, but it's really good. To set your mind on things above means I'm going to seek that out with a desire to possess it. I am going to so set my mind on things above where Christ is seated. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on the kingdom of God. You guys read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All Jesus did was come and say, hey, you know what? There's a kingdom out there that's really screwy and I'm bringing up a new one. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's absolutely upside down from the way the world works. Okay? Set your mind on that. Seek to possess it with everything you've got. Now, now, now let me purely talk to all you Christians out there, okay? We know what it is to do this. All of us do. We know what it is to seek something out to possess it. I did that with her. Anybody else done that with a relationship? Okay, three of you, more of you need to. It's a good thing. Um, you seek someone out because you want to have this relationship. We do it with people. Some of you have done it with a job. Some of you have done it to get a certain position or status. You have sought it out to possess it. You have focused on it. You've given your energy, your time, your resource. You said, I'm going to gain it, a possession. Some of you have done it for your body so that you can be healthy or so that you can look good. Some of you never miss working out at 5 a.m. every morning. Some of you never miss reading all the articles that will help you be the best at your job. You know what it is to set your mind on something and to set your heart on it because you're going to get that job. You're going to get that woman. You're going to get that body. And you do it. All of us do that. So, have you ever set your heart and your mind on possessing the life of Christ that's already yours? Have you ever done it? Have you ever said, you know what? I have been raised with Christ. I have died to sin. Christ is my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of that is mine. Have you ever said, I'm going for it? See, what Paul is saying here is, let me just tell you something. You received Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He is in you. And he has ready, he is ready to give you everything you need for life and godliness. And so have you ever set your mind to it? And I just want to tell you, man, this is so hard. And it's hard for all of us. Because when you wake up in the morning, there is nothing in this world that's trying to help you remember this, is there? I mean, do you wake up in the world and like, hey, look at that billboard. It's telling me to seek God. You know, no, I mean, every billboard saying, no, go after what's best for you and live for yourself. And you need this and go for, I mean, everything around us all day long is the ways of the world. Think about yourself, make sure you're happy, get lots of stuff. Okay. And so, you know how hard it is to live the life of Christ that's already yours. You got to set your heart. You got to set your mind. 
You've got to say, you know what? I want this more than anything else. And this is where we now we live out what's already ours. Now, I'm not going to... Listen to me. I am not going to do all these things so that God will love me more. He loves me so much. I'm learning. People are challenging me. Um, he loves me so much that because of what I could have, I'm going to go after it. I want the best marriage possible. I'm going after it with her. Right? This is why I do these things. So how do we do this? First thing, you guys, set your mind. You've got to learn how to receive from him. I, I, I say this all, to, all the time to you guys, and I know. Week after week, I can tell you this, and you still won't read this freaking thing. Oh, I said it. I'm sorry. Um, you won't read. You won't read this. You guys, I am the worst personality type in the world to be a disciple of Jesus. I, I'm random. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the things just go with the flow. I take them as they go. I'm last minute. Uh, I mean, you know, because all the people who get up and uh, their life's in order and everything looks great, those are the good disciples of Christ. No, um, I'm not like that. But I can tell you this. I have learned to set my mind on Christ. It took me years to do it. But I can't. I, I get up every morning. Not every. I try to because I know that if I'll set my heart and my mind on him, it's one of the ways that you do it is you pray and you engage and you let his word get inside of you. That's one of the things. How do you do this? You guys, if you want him and if you want the life, you've got to spend some time with him. You just got to. And some of us, you know, we'll sit there and we'll go, man, I just, my life... My, my, my faith is just, it's not great, it's, it's whatever. And partly, I just want to say, do you ever spend any time with him? Have you, have you learned how? And if you haven't learned how, find one of us who does it. And we'll train you, we'll teach you about how you can actually receive from God. It's unbelievable. What else do you do? How do you set your mind and your heart toward him? The other thing that needs you, you guys, we need to spend time with each other regularly. You need to spend time with each other regularly. The scriptures say, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, this, this venue right here, for some of you, is critical. And, and you need to say, you know what? I'm not missing. I'm not missing. One time a week, I'm going to the gas station, I'm going to fill it up. I'm going in. I'm going to come here. But I'm telling you, that's not enough. It's a good start. But you guys, that's why we have Life Together groups. So that sometime during this week, I'm also going to engage with other people and I'm going to get around God's word and I'm going to help. Again, you've got to, if you really want to experience what's already yours, this life of Christ, the Bible is really clear. In Acts, when it was unbelievable, when the church was just on fire, it says they met together every day. So, how do you do that? You know, Sunday morning, life together groups here, um, just hanging out, go have lunch with people. Do it at your home. Actually, be together as a family. And again, Susan and I aren't great at this. We're working on this. But to have intentional time with your family. To say, we're going to be, as a family, concentrated on Jesus so that we can receive from him. Okay, spend time with him every day. Spend time with each other every day. You guys, this is why we tithe. You know why we tithe? You know, can I just, I want to make sure you understand this. You don't tithe because K2 needs money to do stuff. You tithe because there is nothing more than money which will make you think about earthly things. <laughs> you tithe because there is nothing more than money 
that'll make you think about yourself. Is that not true? Man, as soon as you get money, you're like, oh. And your immediate thought is always you. So you know why God, I think why God said, so what you got to do, man, on a regular basis, you got to give this stuff away. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if all your treasure is right here for you, your heart gets stuck there and you won't experience the life of Christ. You guys, if Christ is inside you, he is the most generous person in the whole world. That's all God does is give. So why we tithe is so that you can give to God so that you can keep your hands off your stuff and so that he can do what he wants with the ministry through the money. All right? So we spend time with them every day. We spend time with each other every day. We tithe. We serve. You guys, this is a huge one for me. Um, if Christ is in me, the one who said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I never serve. Am I experiencing the life of Christ? I, I tell you, and, and I'd say this may be the hardest for all of you. I think it is for me. The hardest place to serve is where? Home. It starts right at home. It starts every day, you know, just saying, you know, Susan, I had her anniversary, and one of the things I just asked her, I said, how, how can I love you more? And I think, you know, I already knew. <laughs> Come home and engage and serve, you know? But to serve your community. That's why we're out there. Because if Christ was in here at K2 the church, he would so be out there. <laughs> he would so be taking care of the needs of people. If you never serve those who are less fortunate, if you never give your life away to the community and make it a better place, that's Christ. And then right here at K2, if you just come here, if you're a follower of Christ and you just come here, then the scripture says Jesus, if Jesus would never just come here. He would give his life away because he knows as every person gives it away. Can you imagine? Let's just dream for a second as we close here. Can you imagine? What if every single one of us set our heart and our mind on Christ? What if every one of us who's a follower, again, I'm talking to Christians here, if every one of us actually said, you know what? I'm going to set my mind on the kingdom of God and I'm going to live it out. And I'm going to love him with all my heart and I'm going to love you and I'm going to be generous and I'm going to serve. What would happen? Oh my gosh. Would this be an unbelievable place? This place would rock. Your family would rock and this community would start to be changed. And so you guys, we got to set our heart on it. And that's how you do it. It's our reality. So band, come on up. So what are we going to do? How are we going to close this day? I, I just feel like there's no better way for us to close this day today. We've got to take communion, man. We, we've got to take communion today. Do you, do you know what communion is? Um, communion, Jesus, right before he died, he was having dinner with his, with his uh, 12 disciples, and he just looked at them, and he said, um, you guys, one of the things I want you to do, because you're going to forget... <laughs> you're going to forget what's true about you. So on a regular basis, when you get together, I want you to take bread and I want you to break it. And then I want you to eat it. I want you to ingest it because I want you to remember that I died for you. And that when you received me, you died too. So when you take communion today and you take this bread, he said, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And you take it, if you're a follower of Christ, you take that bread and you ingest it and you remember 
The one who died for me is in me. And I've died with him too. And then, we're going to take the juice, and you're going to take that, and he said, now, now this is the cup that represents my blood that I shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You guys, we need to take this, and you need to down it, and you need to let it go inside you, and you need to let Jesus cleanse you from all of your selfishness, from all of your immorality, from all of your sin. You need to remember that he died for everything, and you just need to say, thank you, Christ, and you need to just let it totally set you free. Christ is inside you and he has forgiven you and he's living inside you. So when we take communion, we take it inside of us to remind us that his life is with us. But we're going to do it a little bit different today. And you know what? I forgot to tell the connections team, so please uh, bear with me. See if you guys can follow me on this one. Um, What I want to do today is this. For the next four weeks, what we're going to realize is Jesus lives inside us so that we'll love each other. So we'll love each other. So we're going to take communion together. I'm so sorry. And before we do that, (laughs) man, I'm sorry. Before we do that, I just want you to sit and listen, though, to this song that we have, that we do, that we've prepared for you. Because what it talks about, you guys, is on this day, August 22nd, 2010, on this day, I'm going to remember that I died with Christ and I've raised with Christ and he's inside me and it's going to change me. And then we're going to take communion after that. But please just listen closely and embrace these words and just relish in the glory that the living God is inside you. Let's do it together.